everybody. Welcome to the fourth video in a uh, like a six part series with the ASI national snowboard team um, getting together and talking about the snowboard tech fundamentals. Um, if you haven't seen the first three videos, definitely check them out. They'll be linked at the end of this. But um, uh, tonight we're jumping together with the whole team and we're going to be um, continuing that journey. We're going to be talking about a fundamental that talks about controlling the relationship of the center of mass to the base of support to direct pressure across the width of the snowboard. And uh, we're going to jump into that in a couple minutes here, uh, but we're going to just go around the horn and, and let everybody introduce themselves. You know, I am Brian Donovan with the ASI snowboard team, and uh, let's just kind of go around the room. Everyone, uh, it's Matt Larson here up in Big Sky, Montana. Hey guys, Chris Rogers. Hey everyone, Stephanie Wilkerson. Hello everyone, Tony Macri. Eric Rolls. Chuck Hewitt out here in Colorado. And Amy Gann Bailey. Lindsay Stevens. Awesome. And again, this is uh, just a, a re very real rock conversation where we're just trying to talk about the fundamentals in our own riding, uh, in our teaching when we work with students or when we work with other instructors and, and how do they affect us? How do we think about them? How do they, um, what are the little nuances that we use them to get performance or what are the little things that we use to understand how we can just have more fun or slide a little bit more effectively? And, and again, so we're talking about uh, controlling ourselves as we move across with the snowboard. And I'll kind of leave it there if anybody wants to really jump in and get us going. Yeah, I'll jump in there. Uh, thanks, Brian. Hey, um, so like, you know, anytime like I'm, I'm coaching or training or, or, or teaching to this one, I always talk about how we move. Like, obviously we use flexion extension um, and movements to, to manage pressure, right? But it's when we use them uh, when we use more of one joint than the other joint, that's when we start to move more laterally and manage pressure more laterally. And I, I challenged people to see um, just the other day, right, doing some stuff on with board slides and stuff like that. How far can they move laterally without engaging the tilt of their snowboard and managing that pressure um, without engaging the tilt of their snowboard? And it's interesting, like it's important that we move all of them, you know, for moving straight up and down and managing the magnitude, but, but it's more of one joint versus another joint when we start moving uh, and <laughs> managing lateral pressure. Um, and we see, um, you know, the conversation went from there and it quickly went into to things that we see as like inability to manage pressure, whether it's a washout or whether it's chatter and things like that. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept that a lot of people, uh, it's real easy to get it mixed up with the magnitude of pressure or into tilt, right? This one's that one that's kind of like really kind of lives within those and, uh, and, and kind of, it's, it's definitely its own piece. And that's why the whole piece of like, how far can you move laterally without creating tilt and managing that pressure? I love that talk about different joints, Tony. And I think about uh, posture a lot with this one as well. Uh, and uh, just jumping onto what you're talking about, about different joints and how you move your, your center of mass across the board and how if like you're focused on just the ankle, but you're not putting any, say, movement in the knee or hip, what does that look like in the body? Or let's say you have a lot of movement at that hip joint, but not in the ankle. Or lastly, the, the knee, you got stuff going on in the knee. That's a hard one to say, just move the knee without moving either something underneath that or up above that. So there's some cool relationships uh, with joints 
that ultimately affect posture and that uh, pressure across the width of the board. I think this one's really cool um, in that when we separated out the, the pressure fundamentals into three separate fundamentals, instead of it just being uh, pressure under tilt, twist, pivot, and pressure, um, this is one of the ones that, that I think the understanding has benefited the most in terms of starting to talk about how we move pressure across the width of the snowboard, because it wasn't people really quick to talk about pressure on length and talk about magnitude of pressure. Um, and there's a lot more finesse in moving pressure across the width of the snowboard and, and sometimes how that relates to tilt or how that relates to magnitude of pressure. But if you think about kind of the, the, the most common deficiencies you see in students in the beginner level, that kind of what you're talking about, Matt, flexion in the lower spine or flexion in the hips with the shoulders tipped over the toe side of the snowboard, right? And we all know that's a real easy way to end up catching the heel side edge, even though you've got your weight over your toe edge. And, and so um, I think this is, this is such a cool fundamental to start to dive into and think about how it affects our beginners as well as how we use it in upper level riding, um, because it is so key managing that pressure across the width, independent from all of those other factors, it, it plays a huge role in success in snowboarding. Chris, I think what's really cool and what's interesting you're talking about is um, it, it, this is such an important one, but it's the hardest to see, you know, when we're talking about a lot of the other fundamentals, you can see twist, you can see the board up on an edge tilting. You can see the body moving, um, uh, from nose to tail or, or vertically, you, you know, we can see those a lot easier. You can see the board pivot when you're talking about moving across the width of it. Sometimes this is really hard to actually perceive what's happening, what's moving, um, because we are so clued in on waiting for the board to go up on an edge and tilt. But this, this fundamental is talking about all those little nuanced positions to be ready to make the board do cool stuff. And so I think that while I, this one is so important and it is really, uh, really cool that we're calling it out separate from the other uh, abilities to manage pressure. I think I've seen a lot, I've worked with a lot of instructors who are struggling to interpret when does moving across the width of the snowboard end and when does tilt begin or when does, uh, when does this one, where are the parameters that really box this one? Is it, is it a moment in time? Is it a fluid movement? Um, but where is this really happening? Because they can't necessarily see it happening. I think, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Okay. Jump in. Um, I, yeah, I was trying to think about that too, Donovan. Like, um, it's hard to see. And I was trying to come up with a situation where it was very clear to feel, like when you're riding. And what came to mind was... Um, you know, when you're riding kind of compressed, strange snow, but it's really flat and you're trying to keep your speed and like, you're trying to not tilt because you want to keep your speed, but you also have to like manage all that weird things underneath. I feel like that to me, I mean, I feel like that's a very clear, like, oh, this is what that is kind of. And it uses all sorts of movements because you're, it's not one. It's like, you're combining it to, in order to like maintain that straight line and not tilt the snowboard. I love that you brought up snow condition with this. Um, just you know, a couple of years ago, I was having a conversation with um, Kylie Dwyer, who's one of the APSI team members. And we were talking about just the differences in snow conditions between um, specifically Colorado and Australia and just how we had to make differences to change where our center of mass is along the width of the board to be able to create, you know, pressure on, along the width of the board um, and how that we had to change what we were doing or change maybe the intensity of those movements 
to be able to manage it in different snow conditions. Even though sometimes you might end up with a similar angle of tilt, uh, depending on where your body's positioned. Yes, you guys so remember the signal every third Thursday series where they um, where they build crazy snowboards. I've like always wished that someone would build a snowboard with an actual like pressure sensitive scale across the bottom. So you could see like where pressure is across the foot. And I know like our, like the PSIA partner carve is doing that with the ski insoles and they don't have the, the tech there to do it with like, they don't have the program set up for, for snowboarding yet, but I, I would just love, it'd be so cool to be able to actually talk about uh, live where where someone's pressure is fore and aft and where someone's pressure is across the width of the snowboard and then and then that could also go to like go to tilt but it'd be so cool to actually have data to to show that yeah. Chris, I, you know it's no, interesting go. that you oh, sorry it's interesting that Chris that you talked about um equipment something that I always think about and it you know we like when we talk about forward lean people always go straight to tilt with forward lean and in my, in my opinion, like I believe like forward lean, a, a good, a good boot and a good binding has forward lead built in because the idea is that we want to be set up center between the toe and the heel and, and be able to apply like if in a neutral position, be able to have pressure over the center of the board. So we're not heavy on the heel or heavy on the toe. And, uh, and that's super important. Like I personally ride with very minimal forward lean, but there's so much forward lean built in a boot and a binding already that you're already kind of centered, like, so where that is, but what, what does bother me a lot of times is that I always see this. How often do you see, especially with more beginner students that they set their bindings back and they end up way over that heel side edge. Right. And, and they have no toe drag, but they have two or three inches of heel drag. Right. So it's really important thinking about the width of the board and setting them up so that they have a little bit of toe and a little bit of heel drag. So they get that centered, um, um, to your point, Chris, that centered pressure point, and then they can move evenly pressure towards the toe or the heel from a, from a like standard spot. I think that's, uh, that's really interesting, Tony, right? It's something we see with kids a lot as well. And I think a, a good way maybe for, for some of uh, some folks to get a good grasp of um, th this whole idea of, uh, of the lateral pressure is think about when you're one footing, right? Or when you're kind of skating around, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a slope from the first lift to the second lift and you start to try to go and make turns and, and maybe your back foot isn't quite in the middle of the board, right? Or it's, it's sometimes we use it as a, as a tactic to help our students. You know, if you drag that back foot real heavy across the toe side edge, you know, you drag that back foot across the heel side edge, right? it's pretty easy to make a turn in the direction that that foot is. But if you, you know, say have your foot hanging over the, uh, the toe side edge and you go to make a heel turn, it can be pretty challenging. Right. And it's, it, it's interesting to me, right. It says, uh, I guess another way that I will feel this is, you know, on the, on the snow skate, right. We've talked about this before, but it's the same thing where your feet are not locked into one stance. They can actually move. So you can get a pretty good idea of, of what happens, you know, laterally, if you are sliding your feet around, you know, if on, on, when you're not strapped in, whether it's a snow skate or, or if you're one footing, uh, you know, it kind of brings it back into that. I forget who was bringing it up, but it's a pretty small movement. That's tough to see, you know, you can really get a good feel for it. Stephanie, like you were talking about, I think when your foot is not locked in and if you can kind of visualize what happens and get a, that kind of aesthetic feeling of what happens when your foot moves a lot. Now, when you strap back into your bindings, like our, our feet can't really move 
laterally across the board when they're strapped in, if your bindings are set up appropriately anyway. <laughs> um, and, and so you can kind of use that, that awareness that you've gained um, of, of the effects of what happens when you really sort of overdo it um, to, to use it as a benefit to understand like, okay, now if I pressure my toe or my heel a little bit, you understand the impact it's gonna have on the snowboard. I think uh, a good way to progress from that once you're starting to like be able to see that or feel that on one foot it is when, like how often do you have that student that's like that first time starting to try to connect turns and they're going for that first turn and they've committed to downhill and they've gotten the board flat, but you know that it's not gonna actually happen. They either get stuck in that straight down the hill for a second or they have to go back to the same edge that they started on. And that's from them not, you, you can see that the weight is still over that same edge and that that hasn't actually come across um, to that new edge yet. And that's the, that's the thing we start to work on with our students of how they're making that move. And that's what's bringing the center of mass across the board. Well, and Amy, I think that that's a huge part of it is really making sure that center mass is the thing moving, right? It's easy to break at the waist. It's easy to put like little parts of the body over the, what you want to be the new edge, but until you actually move like your body, uh, you're not moving the center of mass. And, and I think that that's a, we see it in, in beginners, but we also see it in like high level riders when they start to get on steeper terrain or more varied terrain where they think that they're moving across the board to get ready to kind of release the old edge and get on the new edge. But in reality, they're, they're still hanging out, especially like heel edge with their hips uphill and they're not actually moving their center mass. They're moving just a little bit of their upper body, but they're not bringing their hips with them maybe, or, or, or just a variation on that. And so I think that key differentiation of where's the center mass and are you moving that across the width of the board versus are you just, you know, closing an ankle or, or flexing at the hip? Yeah, that, that initiation is so key to get that pressure starting to move from the one edge to the other in beginner riders or advanced riders. That's it. That's the key movement. And something you said earlier, Brian, it may be a little harder to see, but what we end up seeing are other movements to make up for that. Like you see people driving their shoulder into the turn and those can be real distracting. And, you know, a, a new instructor may say, let's not move the shoulder into the turn. What we really want to see is the, the hips moving over the width of the board. Or just to add a little nuance um, to something you said, Brian, was, you know, we also have the option to pull the board under the hips as well. And that's, that kind of goes back to why it's worded the way it is. You know, it's a relationship and it's, and it's, you know, you can move the body over the board or you can move the board under the body to manage that pressure across the width. So a couple, couple options that are available within that same description. Well, and this one goes, we've been a broken record a little bit on these, these talks, but control is a really important word. You know, it's not just by luck that our center mass is in the right position, but we are actively doing things to put our center mass in the position, or like you said, moving the board underneath us or moving us over the board, like control is such an important verb in this fundamental. 
I love that you went there, Eric. And, and I think, you know, one of the ways that this applies throughout our CERT process is at the level one, almost, I think every division looks at kind of that up and weighted turn as the basic turn that we're, that we're evaluating in a CERT one, and that's moving the, the body up and the, the center mass up and then over the snowboard. So it's moving the, the center mass over the board. At the level two, we start looking at more of a, that most flexed at edge change or down weighting dropping the center mass down towards the board and moving it across from heel side to toe side or from toe side to heel side. So again, moving the body over the board and then pretty universally at level three, we start looking at retraction, which is then keeping the body more stable and moving the snowboard underneath the upper body. And it's, it's a really cool progression as you look at kind of that, that increasing difficulty of, um, of first mass movements, moving the center mass, and then moving towards a more refined movement of just moving the snowboard underneath a more stable upper body. Kind of cool distinction through our CERT process. Yeah, it's uh, funny. We were doing this butter clinic earlier today, and this just made a bunch of light bulbs go off for me. But I'm just thinking about how, you know, we we're talking about the word control and um, thinking about keeping the center of mass over the board, trying to stabilize it while also trying to move the pressure around, you know, un, like along the width of the board and thinking about the movements that we can make to, to butter and start to make the board pivot as well, while also holding our center of mass steady and thinking about that control piece that Brian mentioned is, you know, we're still controlling where our center of mass is to direct the pressure along the width of the board. That's awesome, Lindsay. Um, similar light bulb moment I had, couple, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was working with a student who was that classic limp noodle um, beginner student just working on heel slips and that kind of collapse, um, like going into heel side edge and, and uh, just like heel side floating leaf or heel side slip. And as soon as you let go of their hands, the, they flex in the knees and hips and the center mass goes too far over the board and, and they fall on their butt, right? And, and I think for me, this fundamental, when we first started wording it, in my head, it was like the minute the snowboards tipped 0.0001 degrees. As minute we have tilt, we're talking about controlling tilt through inclination angulation, and we're not talking about um, lateral pressure anymore. And, and watching this student, um, kind of my evolving understanding, thinking about, we've, we've always talked in our reference alignments about the center mass um, being inside a turn. And that that's kind of uh, tying this lateral pressure piece into tilt. You can have tilt and, um, and be thinking about where pressure is controlled across the width of the snowboard. And to the, to the extent of, if you move the center mass too far over one side and you don't have enough corresponding tilt, you're going to slip out. And, and that, that management of pressure across the width ties very, very closely to tilt. You need some amount of tilt to match that movement of, of lateral pressure. Um, or in a flat board, you've got your, your pressure managed across the, the width of the snowboard. But as you, as you start to tip the snowboard, that management of lateral pressure doesn't go away. It just continues to, to evolve and it's a, it's a more refined movement and, and it becomes even more, more important as you, as you tip the snowboard um, and especially evident in things like board slides. Yeah. You know, it's uh, this brings me to, uh, to one of our trick tips. Matt Larson just did a great trick tip on locking into 50 fifties on a, on a, on a round rail. Right. And you, you see him like, you know, you can kind of catch it on the side and you can roll up on and kind of like make that adjustment on that round rail. And you see him playing with it when he does his little, little static move on his stick and stuff like that. It's funny because the relationship, when you just look at the snowboard, you see tilt, but it's really feeling the pressure underneath through that round rail and, and, and getting a good feel for that 
pressure and, and kind of caressing the rail from the side to the top of it. So you don't slip off the other side uh, is a great, great um, uh, aspect of this or application of it. And caressing, that is just a fantastic word. <laughs> you like that. Yeah, I do like that. Uh, I, uh, I was, you know, thinking about this, we talked about control and how we move our center of mass across the board and, and how we commonly see people on the low side of the proficiency of snowboarding really rely on those large muscle groups. And so we'll see them use maybe that, that hip joint more or in the knees, cause they got those great quads to use and, and that we do spend a lot of time uh, helping them learn how to use those muscles around the ankle so they can incorporate that and be effective at, and use that as a tool as well. And, uh, going way back as far as like <laughs> the challenge of seeing what, you know, what does pressure across the width of the board look like? And something that jumps out in my mind is when we see that rider that all of a sudden they hit something really slippery, like an icy spot and you see, okay, well, all right, how were we stacked up there across the width of the board? Where are we still relying on making adjustments up in the hips or can we do something down lower when they hit those um, unexpected slippery spots? And, and that that's, uh, it's also like a great test for, for any one person go out there and get in a position, maybe, you know, knowing that you're going to go towards like an icy spot or something like that, but see how it stacks up for you. Uh, it's uh, it's good beta. You got to watch out for those slippery slopes, Larson. That's right. Yeah. Well, Larson, I think it ties right into what Rogers was talking about. It's not just about before something else happens, but you're hitting that icy patch. If you're on an edge and you're tilted super up on that edge and your body's way inside that turn, you hit that slippery spot and the board goes out, you're going to have that moment where like everything gets tall and there's that little moment of panic. Right. But if that person is still able to uh, manage like a higher edge angle, but be more over top of it. When we're talking, you know, uh, inclination versus angulation and, and creating more angles, being more over top of the edge, still have a high edge angle. They hit that icy patch or that slippery part, and they're going to be able to recover without like the board getting out from under them. So it's, it's, how are they managing across the width of the board while getting other performance? And, and then they have that unexpected variable of the icy patch. And what's going to be the result? And I know that, you know, in my head, I've been told millions of times, yeah, you hit something slippery and icy. You just want to drop your center mass. Well, there's a ton of times where I didn't anticipate it. And I just have to make like little adjustment moves of like actually just move my center mass slightly towards the toe edge or the heel edge, as opposed to just dropping it right out. And so there's, there's different ways to kind of tackle that. And I think it all leads into where are you at in that moment right before it happens? And then how do you make those slight little micro adjustments? So super cool that it's not just a static stationary waiting to turn, but it's, it can be mid turn. It can be while something else is going on and then making those adjustments happen during that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, when I was uh, doing some, some training early season, we were talking about walk working through these fundamentals. One of the exercises I had the group do is going through and do skidded turns with the lowest possible tilt. And when you go with the lowest possible tilt, there's always going to be some tilt in a skidded turn, right? Due to the fact that there's an uphill and there's a pitch and things like that. Um, but the lowest possible tilt, and then almost like creating that friction, creating a wider friction point on the, on the base of your board. And the more you can get, the more subtle you're being 
with that, that managing that pressure and being able to kind of work through it, where if you have a, a smaller friction point or, you know, more tilt, then you're probably making a larger, more gross movement. So thinking of just playing, playing with that, with a skidded turn, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. A lot of times um, our beginner students or even intermediate students think that high performance riding is all about tilt. And nowadays snowboards are so good when you put them on edge and side cut and stuff like that. But it's really, there's a, I, I love to geek out on a really good skidded turn. And especially when you get out onto the, you know, the ice coast a little bit, you get out there and Amy has seen me try to ride at J peak and trying to work that friction point. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but uh, yeah, just trying to make that basis support and create more friction underneath with those subtle pressuring movements are clutch for sure. Tony, you- Go ahead. Jack. Sorry. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking, um, and, and Chris, you can jump in, but, um, when Chris was talking there kind of in that freestyle application and you were focusing on uh, lots of skidded turns, I, my mind's kind of spinning even on the other side, right? And how even though uh, if we're in a carve turn, right, thinking about how we can um, still manage pressure across the width of the board, you know, we got into this discussion a little bit on one of the previous calls when we were, you know, thinking about um, like doing a cab spin. And, you know, I think about setup turns, you know, coming into futures or even just kind of free riding around you know, I'm within my carved turn, I'm definitely manipulating, you know, as I, if I'm kind of have my board up on edge, I'm definitely manipulating where that pressure is in terms of, you know, the middle of the board and maybe more towards like middle of the board down towards the working edge, you know, in terms of setting up to, to hit that sweet spot to pop off of it, you know, and whether that be for, you know, the takeoff for a jump or a spin, or just even finding some little transition in a mogul field. Like I, I've been playing with those same little movements, uh, but in the carve term application up on the mountain. 100% Chuck. I think like total misconception is that in a, in a, like a high edge angle carve turn, all of your pressures on the toe, toe side. And if you think about exiting that carve turn, like coming out of a Euro carve, you're, you're actually pushing on your heels, even though your toes are in the turn, right? Cause you're trying to get the turn to stand you up and those centrifugal forces centripetal forces that are holding you up through that turn you're actually putting pressure directly against the snowboard. You're not actually pushing on your toes that much. Um, so there's a quite a few applications there. And, and similarly, this is something I've been thinking about is, is, uh, and going back to what Tony was saying about equipment and where, where the bindings are mounted on a snowboard. If you think about where your feet are and just rocking from your heel to your toe in your bare feet in your, in your living room right now, you can roll from pressure all the way back on your heels to pressure on your tippy toes. But when we're snowboarding, usually when we roll to our toe edge, that pressure point's kind of more under our under the front of our foot, but it's not really out on our toes. We don't really a lot. We don't spend a lot of time with all our pressure way down on our toes. Um, and I, I think there's there's this move towards really wide snowboards and trying to get to like zero toe or heel drag. And you know, there's some some uh, like Ryan Napton and on YouTube. You look at his setup. Um, his his toes and his heels are inside the the edge of his snowboard. And one of the things that does is make it harder to manage the, like manage pressure across the width of the snowboard out on those areas of the board that are outside his toe and heel. And, and you see people come like trying to, trying to learn what Ryan's doing. Uh, and, and there is a, like the snowboard goes up on edge because it's really hard to feather. And and what you were talking about, Tony, trying to just feather that friction and and manage that skidded turn. It's harder to manage that zone outside our toe and our heel, because now you're applying pressure and under the ball of your foot, you're applying pressure, maybe an inch inside the edge. 
Um, and so that equipment setup is really interesting. And, and whether that's from a snowboard not being set up right and the bindings being set back and, and not having much toe drag um, or having that binding centered and not having uh, the, the not having your boot stick out past the snowboard um, actually really affects your ability to control pressure across the width. Yeah, that's a great that's a great one. And uh, to go back a few years, quite a few years, you guys remember when Burton came out with the Burton Slick? or there's the, the Gilson boards that are out there now, right? So those sorts of things, you can't rely on that metal edge. You have to create pressure. Otherwise, she gone. <laughs> Just thinking about it on a different plane, you know, I, I think about bow ties, like flat bow ties in the snow and how, you know, normally you, your mind will instantly go to pivot, right? We're creating a pivot point in the board, but how we're creating it with pressure, you've got pressure moving, across the width on your toe side, or you know, maybe on your back foot that's moving over, um, your toe side's moving forward, and you've got pressure moving along the width in the other direction with your heel side or your front foot moving back. And you know, just seeing a more subtle, um, on a subtle plane, how we can direct the pressure across the width of the board that's not so related to tilt, um, but there's still that middle zone and, and being able to understand how you can move through that middle zone, um, I think is a really awesome finite thing. Like we talked about it a bunch today too, moving, you know, we talked about our toe edge and our heel edge a lot. There's this whole middle part of the board and we can pressure that too. And it's, it makes things a lot more subtle. Lindsay, the thing that you just said that just did a light bulb for me is when I come into a group, like heel edge slide into a group and I just come to a dead standstill and start talking to the group. And then you see that person that can't manage that, whether it's beginner level or even intermediate or advanced level where they come in and they can't quite find the happy spot to stand on their edge and just it be quiet and just stand there. That's moving across with the snowboard because in that moment I'm, I'm on an edge, but I'm just making sure that I have just enough edge to keep my board from sliding down the hill but I can also stand upright on that edge and just bounce there for a second. And, and we, that's a very refined skill that all snowboarders figure out at some point and, and some conditions are better than others. But whenever you come in on an edge and you stop and you're able to stand there, you are doing little adjustments across with the snowboard to not keep momentum going. And I hadn't thought about this fundamental in that way, but that what you just said struck me really like a light bulb. Super cool. How about the facing uphill drop your heel edge into the snow thing same deal same deal and just like being able to anticipate when your board slides and shaves into that hill surface being able to know when that's going to happen and where you need your center of mass across your board so you don't fall on your face and look silly i'm so glad you brought that up because i was thinking about it the other day and i was like i was really trying to pay attention to how i make that happen and I was like, oh, wait, I'm keeping my center mass where it is, and I'm pulling the board up the hill and jamming my heels in to the snow to you know, give myself a, like, a shelf to stop on. It would be really terrifying if you just tried to move your center mass across and let your heel edge catch and hope that you just magically didn't. You know, I think that you're absolutely correct. It's a move where you pull your board underneath, you set the heel edge, and you stand there. But if you tried the opposite, I think it would be terrifying. I'm totally trying that tomorrow. I am excited to just, I'm going to try to do it on a flatter surface to start and just go real subtle. 
Um, I was just thinking about that uh, that move where you're jamming in the the downhill heel edge to strap in too, where you show people that for the first time, and if they put that pressure more towards the toe, it just comes right out of the shelf. And that's always been a key thing for yeah. for people to get that like stay balanced on your heels, on your heels, make a little shelf, balance on your heels, stretch those hamstrings, buckle in that, you know, back binding. Um, and I think something else you said, Lindsay, is that I don't want to let it go too, too far, but just trying to think about, you know, that um, the feathering of the edge while pivoting, you know, the amount that you're pressuring that edge while still being able to, to pivot it. That's, that's a great skill to have that takes time to kind of do that. And we don't even think about it. I'm sure, you know, you just do it and you just know how much to be on that edge without catching that downhill edge where you see a lot of uh, novice riders will, they'll flatten the board to pivot it. And where more advanced riders are just finding that sweet spot between, you know, pressuring that edge while still pivoting the board to get that smooth, low angle skid like tony was talking about some cool some cool ankle you know ankle work in there to be able to find that sweet spot Rosie, this is kind of it's making me think about a lesson i, I had a little while ago um and, and kind of back to donovan's comment of uh you know balancing on that heel side edge and kind of standing there for a minute i think about some of our beginners you guys have ever had those maybe um you know, a, a student who is not uh, new to board sports, maybe they're a surfer or they're a wakeboarder, right? And they, they come into it and they're, you know, they're, they're really good at finding their balance if there's a little bit of fresh snow, right? And it's really, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a powder day. Like they do, a, they pick it up pretty easily. Um, you know, and that soft snow feels a lot like the water, right? Whether it's a wakeboard or it's a surf or whatever it might be like they do a really good job. Right. And then the, the, the next day out, maybe there's no more fresh snow and suddenly they're, they're on the groomers when they're on the packed powder and it's not even that firm, but it's a different sensation. And this kid I taught a few weeks ago was just that he was a really good surfer and we had a kind of a nice pow day to start out and he was just crushing it. And then the next day, <laughs> man, he really struggled to find his edge. And as I think about it and kind of we're talking here, you know, it was really kind of controlling the, the pressure across the width of the board as he is really trying to, you know, keep that, uh, that center of mass, I think under his feet, cause he was used to pushing the whole board against the water um, as opposed to, you know, finding it and moving it down a little bit closer to the working edge of the snowboard. Um, and it's just kind of really interesting how, big of a factor I think that can make for, for some of our students is, is not just getting the, uh, getting the, the, the tilt correct, but finding that lateral pressure to go along with it, to find success. Yeah. You know who, um, what group of students does that really well? You ever seen that six-year-old who's just like, Eric was saying where it's just like so low edge angle you're like they're gonna catch it like there's no way but they just know and they're like hanging their head uphill and touching the snow and spinning in circles but like they just 
they have it. And I think it's because they can feel it and they're not trying over trying. I don't know. But those movements, depending on like the age group, might look very different. <laughs> totally. And that goes to that to the equipment, uh, you know, with the LTR concave or convex base, um, having that rounded base. Right. You can manage pressure across the width of the snowboard. And that's actually a place where you can see it. If you set, set one of those boards down, you can roll them across from toe edge to heel edge. And it's not till it's not tipping the snowboard up on edge yet, but it's just rolling across the base. And, and yeah, we've all seen those students, right. The, the kid that you're just like, Oh, wait, how, how did they not catch edge there? Yeah. Yeah. Chuck, you made me start thinking about the half pipe. <laughs> that comment. <laughs> Uh, thinking about where our center mass goes and how it can go way over the snow and we decrease a lot of pressure on the board because of the interaction with the surface um, and you know how how we're going up the wall and we're trying to create um, less tilt as we go up and um, just thinking about like once that wall disappears there's no more pressure and your center of mass is way over Way over the snow but we're still controlling where the pressure is across the width and that magnitude yeah. right it's that <laughs> it's that the blend of the two <laughs> makes me uh think about um you know you think about the atml model you know and it's been a been a minute or two since the olympics finished up but i think about you know how people are setting up and to uh you know, getting off access or corks, <laughs> certainly not a, not an area I spent a whole bunch of time in, but it's interesting to think about how that can, um, that, that pressure across the width of the snowboard will affect your ability to be successful in being off access. Chuck, I'm going to take that and I'm going to kind of talk what Rogers was just hitting on. You know, when we talk about equipment, if we went around our room right now, we all have very specific nuances about our equipment that we really like or what we don't like. Right. And I think one of them, Tony hit on with a uh, board to binding, you know, compatibility and forward lean being built in. And we've talked in other tech talks in the series about how we like our boots. Some of us like our boots, super soft and super loose. And some of us like our boots really tight. And this is one of those ones for me at a beginner lesson, right? Like we've all gone through and we've done instructor training where we're talking about like, check your students' boots and make sure they're tied, make sure that they like, they're actually going to get performance out of them. Um, and then, but like me personally, I like my boots loose. And it's so that when I like flex my ankle joint, I don't immediately get tilt performance. I like to be able to roll from my heel to the ball of my foot or back and forth. And I like to be able to move my center mass over my board without immediately getting performance. And so when I look at somebody that's in like a really stiff, you know, like a uh, free ride boot. I'm like, holy crap. Like, how do they feel this? You know, talking about Steph's talking about a sensation. How do they feel this? Cause if the boot is so tight or so, uh, you know, stiff, I guess not tight, but stiff, they're getting immediate performance out of that boot. Um, and so when you're talking about people getting off axis and cork, I think that there's going to be a personal preference in how much do I want to be able to move inside and roll my foot. And before I get that tilt or increase that tilt or decrease that tilt. And I think this is one of those ones where, you know, it's, it's, it's an important lesson, check your students gear, make sure their boots are tied. Right. But at the same time, make sure that they are able to feel sensations and not just get immediate performance without that sensation. And so I think this is one that for me strikes really close to home because I like soft boots and loose boots so that I can feel my feet move. I think, I, I, I think that's really interesting. Um, 
because you kind of have a bit of a skateboarding background, but not necessarily going pro much like I think myself, uh, not nearly as good as a skateboarder, but on the snow skate side of things, I, I find your comment interesting because I used to like really tight boots and tie them up pretty, pretty solid, you know, so I'd get that performance lean right into it. But then as I started getting more into snow skating, I went so far the other direction. Uh, it probably picked up a feeling that you might find on skateboarding is you now I wear just skate shoes because I love the idea that my, my ankle can roll around and I can, I can pressure very specific places on my foot, right. That you would put in that realm of, of lateral pressure. And I think, man, that really kind of gave me a whole new perspective on snowboarding and what I'm doing with my, with my feet during all of these things that we've talked about. And, you know, it's definitely a personal preference thing, but it's a strength you can play on. If, if people have that feeling or skill set that's existing, it's something you can draw from to help them find success in snowboarding. And, and maybe if they don't have that skill set, they may find it more comfortable to, to pressure on it. Say like if they, maybe they came from skiing, right. Or they're used to having something real stiff against their feet, that sensation may help find success there. So yeah, it's definitely a a personal preference, but makes a big difference in, in the lateral pressure world. Chuck, you brought up surfing earlier um, and kind of in that same realm with skateboarding and, uh, and surfing, like th- one of the commonalities between snowboarding and skateboarding is the, the more you kind of crank over that toe side edge, the tighter that turn's going to get. Uh, and, and surfing is so different because it's the, the fin on the base that's giving you um, the ability to not slip out. Uh, and, and playing around with equipment, wake surfing a couple summers ago, took all the fins off and, and got on a, on a wake surf behind the, And I, I know I've seen Matt do this as well. Um, and if, if that suddenly that managing pressure across the width of your, of your wake surf becomes incredibly important because you go even slightly too far over the toe or heel edge and the board's gone. It just shoots out from underneath you. Right. And you're just like face plant in and it, and it just like, uh, talk, like light bulb is, is our seems to be our our uh, word of the day today but um just hearing you guys chat about about those elements and thinking like yeah when when you get on a on a wake surf um that that gives you a whole new perspective of how how we're managing pressure across with the snow, of, of a snowboard because the snowboard grips and holds you there so you can move quite a bit um and and man on a on a wake surf you are very aware of where your pressure is across the width Rogers. like pal surfing too Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, Rogers, I love that you take something that's extremely difficult and you find a way to manipulate it to make it more difficult where you're like, I'm going to take the fins off. You know what? That was pretty easy. I'm just going to make it way more difficult. Or, you know, Tony's talking about pow surfing, right? It's like, let's go up to the top of this beautiful pow field. And instead of just relying on being strapped to something and making it easy, I'm going to make this more difficult on myself, but to get a sensation. And I think it's, it's cool to go chase that, but it's crazy to think that we have taken sports that are already hard in themselves and we're trying to make them harder. I get it. I just had a light bulb. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out to the group. So, you know, how we talk about pressure across the width of the board and then eventually it becomes a form of inclination and, and tilt. What about that with twist? So, in, I was thinking about, you know, pressuring the board um, across the width with independent foot and leg movements, right? So you can get subtlety pressuring across the width laterally with one foot more than the other. But what about that before it becomes tilt?
Yeah, that's kind of um, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay. Is that kind of what you were talking earlier about with the bow tie analogy? I, I do, and now adding another, you know, just another plane into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that ties together really well with, you know, talking about how you can pressure, start to pressure one part of the board, one quadrant, if you will, and stealing uh, Chris's quadrant idea of splitting the snowboard into four sections and then starting to move pressure along uh, the opposite quadrant in the opposite corner. I'm yeah. hearing... I'm hearing a relationship of pressure along the length of the board too. It's mm -hmm. like if we're moving laterally across the board, but closer to the nose, now there's another fundamental that we pulled into this. Yep. And it just points out that these are, these overlap all yeah. the time. It's, you know, one affects the other all the time. Just and those, like those, those really flat board smeary turns that Tony was talking about, you know, where you're keeping your board super flat, trying not to get it to tilt, but you're getting a little direction change. You're getting, you know, you know, the start of what would be twist and it probably is twisting as a result doing those. But yeah, now we're talking about foot to foot, which does lead into, um, you know, along the length of the board and how we pressure it that way. Just uh, picturing my son has been wrestling a ripstick recently <laughs> and just thinking about the, the can of worms that that opens to some extent in terms of how you can manage the, you can manage the pressure across the width oppositionally. <laughs> Show of hands, who's been on a ripstick? Okay, yeah, all right. I've got a bunch of ripstickers in here. <laughs> I think, I think we talked about it a bit on the twist call, but that, I, I mean, even the difference between like sequential twist versus like oppositional twist, right? Like different ways that we're managing pressure across the width of the snowboard in different places, you know, to, to your point, Eric. So I would say, I just want to kind of pull the room because we're, I think we're covering this one pretty well, but I would say, you know, as we get into the national standards, let's go around the room. And if you have a student that really, needs to figure out where they are or how they can move across the board to uh, help them just with a, an activity or, or something they're doing, they're riding. What's something that came to mind either tonight or just in your experience? Like what is something that you do with a student that just gets them to be aware of where they are in relation to the across the width of the snowboard or why that's so important to make them go to the next level. And the one I'll just use to kind of kick it off and, and not putting anybody on the spot is tonight that one for me thinking about just coming into a uh, a slow speed stop on an edge and then finding the balance point and not moving any further. Like if I were to draw a or paint a line in the snow and I say, I want to come in, I want to stop on this on my heel edge or my toe edge, and I want to be able to balance there and not move any further. To me, that gives me a really good awareness of moving across. And it's just one of many, but you know, I'd love to hear just some others of how are we going to um, highlight this fundamental to really make a student aware of it? or demo it for a student. I got one. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, oh, you got the yellow box around you. So I think that means you spoke first. Oh, well, um, I was just thinking about like the exercise that I like to go to when after, you know, somebody's trying to learn their turns for the first time and they might be having some trouble and going straight to that edge and that really high edge angle um, where they're doing a carve turn and they're, 
we really need to do a skidded turn. Um, so, you know, we, we teach knee steering a lot, or I know I hear a lot of instructors of using that method of teaching knee steering. And I like to bring that same idea just down to the foot and think about rolling around on the foot rather than thinking about it like a flipper. I'm thinking about slowly rolling from the ball of the foot to the outside of the foot and then slowly to the heel. And I think that really covers, you know, moving through that, that middle section versus thinking about the two edges in such a quick and intensive manner. Yeah, Lindsay, I, I do the same thing. A lot of times I'll draw it in the snow and, and kind of like a boot in the snow and like draw the pressure moving through a turn where that's moving from heel across outside the foot to the ball of the foot and then back through from toe to heel across um, and showing that as a smooth motion. Not It's not just suddenly toe to heel, but there's all there's there's a million different points of pressure across that. So what I was going to throw out was uh, snow skimboarding. So, you know, you think about the images you see when uh, people are out at the at the beach break. You got the surf there. They got the skimboard. They run. They jump on their skimboard. We can do that same playful little thing in some flat contained area with our snowboards. I mean, I mean, sometimes our students are just doing it anyway without us even uh, offering that as an idea. But it's a great way to just help someone center themselves over their board, especially laterally. So you, you can do it like in just the, the straight foot to foot direction of travel. You can turn that board sideways and do it more as if you were in a board slide position, but yeah, a lot of play you can do there and discovery without really diving into a technical description of it. Yeah. Yeah. Another great one is, and I don't, I don't know how you guys get, but like, I can tell you over president's weekend, right. When the lift lines got really busy and you're going into lift lines and they get all super rutted out and you're in there one footed and your, your students sliding around because this board keeps slipping out. Right. Just thinking about just, just making subtle movements to manage your balance one foot in one foot out on those little ruts in that lift line. Um, all that little subtlety right there is, is great. Nice. Tony. I, I like the one footed stuff here as well. We particularly, even as you get into the intermediate riders, like one foot snowboarding is a good skill to have to kind of get you from one place to another and is more necessary at some resorts than others. Um, but I try to uh, get students to go back to making turns and maybe just a, a C turn or a J turn um, or an S turn if they're feeling real strong, but just convincing them to be, to let them like, Hey, your foot doesn't have to stay in the same spot right? Your back foot, you can put it up against that back binding, but feel free to slide it. See if you can move it, you know, across the snowboard, you know, towards the toe side. And when you're making that turn and then back towards the heels, when you go the other way and see if you can actually make some real slow speed turns and just, you know, think about how much more control that gives you and then use that sensation to bring it back into, to talking about managing pressure across the width of the board in their, in their turns with both feet strapped in. You know, going all the way back to the first time lesson, within the first 30, 40 minutes of a lesson, I, I usually have students strap both feet in. And, and part of that's to play with pressure along the length of the snowboard and, you know, do a nose press, do a tail press, like right in the very beginning of the lesson. But I also spend some time um, focusing on heel and toe, toe pressure and like how far can you move over the heels before you fall over and how far can you move over the toes before you fall over. And, and you see that, that like 
move and then the board tips and then they they fall over and you can use that for helping them learn how to get up as well but um uh but just to have them play with that movement how far can i move over my left foot how far can i move over my right foot and then same thing toe to heel um, and really start to learn the extent of that relationship between the center mass and the snowboard I love using, um, I use it for a lot of things, but flatland 360s, very low edge angle, something to keep you centered and really feel that feather movement that we've all been talking about, like the really, really subtle stuff. And then also going to what Chuck was saying, I do use one-footed S-turns a lot because, and it just, it changes like it. Um, but to take it one step further, uh, more advanced riding, but if you've ever done like a one-footed S-turn, but without your other foot on the board, but actually moving your leg over the toe edge and then over the heel edge, that's also doing it. And you can't twist it, right? It's like all about where your body is. Um, interesting thing to go out and try. It's fun to bring that, that one-foot idea into a carved turn too, because all of a sudden, like your, your foot, your back foot's not attached anymore. So you can start to pressure different spots by you know like lifting your actual heel off the board which is i think is really cool too because it um like just not being attached anymore gives you a totally different movement option as to where you can put your center of mass as well and how you're making it happen how you're getting it up on edge is like it's happening, maybe a very similar like outcome, but the way you're doing it is totally different. Lately, um, I've been really trying to get people to blend their their uh, flex, flexion extension movements, their up up and down movements with that pressure across the width, and trying to get the timing. So playing around with, you know when people move across the board laterally while also extending or flexing and uh, a good little activity is to do, do a heel slip and have people just extend and flex extend and flex and try to keep that board pretty low angle but keep it slipping down so it doesn't change um, so you're focusing on the pressure pushing down instead of the edging itself and then doing that on the toe which is typically harder to get people to flex down uh, without hinging at the waist you know bringing the knees out hinging at the waist trying to keep that equal pressure uh, on the edge and uh, trying not to let it fluctuate at all having a flashback to tryouts <laughs> yeah no, that's where it, some of that started yeah was doing some things at tryouts and how that combines a couple of the different fundamentals and how we can break it into parts and use it to put cool. it back into into the hole cool uh, thanks for that exercise gang because i rolls you kicked it off and you finished it too but you kick it off saying you know we find that the fundamentals are so blended together and and they're always going on and i think chuck a couple calls ago talked about like the knobs or maybe it was Larson. Somebody talked about the knobs in the DJ booth and like rolling some on and some off and, and back. But it's also important. Like if we have in our own riding or with a student, we need to really emphasize one of the fundamentals so they can feel it or they can 
see how it gives the you know performance to the board uh, that we can also really highlight in on one and then make sure that we can show it or we can explain it or we can just give them a sensation. So I think it's really cool. And then to bring it full circle again, that then you apply it back. Okay. Now that you have that sensation and that awareness, how does it apply to the whole? And, and so deconstruct it and then take that ownership and that knowledge and then put it back into play. And so um, super cool. Uh, I don't, you know, the conversation doesn't stop here. Um, this is just us working through the fundamentals as a team, um, sharing out with you guys, uh, go try some of the stuff that we talked about tonight in your own writing, see what works, what doesn't work, see how you can add to it. Um, see how you can kind of take what we uh, talked about tonight and then add pieces and components to it and, and make it even better. And that's the whole goal is to, to continually evolve our understanding and our ownership of these um, both as our team and then, you know, as a, our membership as a whole. And so this is the fourth video in this series. Uh, the goal is if you haven't seen them already, we did a uh, tech talk on, on tilt. We did one on pivot uh, and one on twist. And, and that's definitely the shorthand for those fundamentals. But um, we did three already. This is the fourth one. There are two more coming out. Um, and then we're tossing around the idea of a, a seventh video where we do a live Q&A with a lot of the ASI membership and, and kind of get on with you guys and see how you've been playing with these in your own writing, how you've been playing with them with students and, and really kind of uh, what you've discovered and what might have been light bulb moments for you guys and girls. So um, I think that wraps it for tonight. But, uh, you know, before we totally end it, Larson, you know, uh, you want to talk a little bit about where you're from and what's coming up in, in your hometown in a in about a month from now, a month and a half from now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm in Big Sky, Montana. We got Snowboard Academy coming up. We got Rider Rally. It's going to be a rad five days of shredding with this crew right here in front of you. So um, I'm really pumped to see your faces there. I believe, is that is the word? There's still some openings. We can get a few people registered. Maybe that'll be the case when you watch this video. Maybe not. So uh, anyway, hope to see you guys out here. Cool. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon.